GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches every Friday. It's free patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with Music and the Truth Until Dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern, and we talk about guns for an hour. So I need to jump over to the actual channel that this is happening on so that I can jump back over here and set up a poll for the people that are listening to this show live. So we've got a couple of things. First off, give me some feedback on the volume, if you would please, because I got a bunch of fans going. It's super hot right now. We're going to have a poll going, so the people that are live, watching live, are going to have a chance to participate in the direction of this show next week. Uh, on Tuesdays, we feature the Second Amendment in a specific state, and that state is picked by the people who join us live the week before and I'm distracted because I'm typing and talking at the same time, but boom, now you can make that decision for next week's audience. This is the daily gun show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern. Why midnight? Well, because we like to go live in the middle of the night for most people, because that's when everybody's resetting the planet and those folks deserve some live conversation and live um, uh, shows as well. Plus, I'm in Arizona, so it's way cooler to do the show in the middle of the night, heat-wise. And uh, we own the time slot, so eventually we'll go long format and do like a three-hour show. Till then, we go live for about an hour. Each day, we have a different focus. On Mondays, we uh, do uh, 2A motivation, so we try to give people the... Uh, knowledge and the incentive and some uh, direction for doing Second Amendment active act, activism. And uh, behind the scenes a little bit, talk about the tricks and the tools and the techniques. And then we have interviews, like yesterday we had uh, um, Sharon on, and uh, it was a pretty awesome interview. We'll have her on, uh, on the regular for a while as we uh, continue to address a lot of the big subjects and talk about some techniques because she's very technically literate on using the internet as well all right so thanks for the feedback on the audio i do appreciate that uh, on tuesdays we talk about 2a and uh each week we feature a state today it's going to be arizona each week we like to feature a gun owners rights group 
We'll talk about their history and focus on their successes and their victories. So you out there get to choose the group and throw some uh, suggestions out there into the live chat or over on our new system, the Gilded. So let's take a look. We usually on this screen, on the show, on the screen, we usually devote about a third or to a cord, third or a quarter of the screen to the bid the chat. That's what I'm wiggling over here. So that's when y'all are chatting. That's where it's showing up. You can all see it. I can go over here and click on things and highlight them. It's super fun. We also have the actual video over here, the YouTube video. Don't get dizzy. I'm wiggling it, but you know that's so that you can see it. That's where the poll is, and that's where we also delete spam and garbage like that. Then we have a new section called Gilded, and this is where people who are our Patreons can hang out and look at this conversation that's going on. It's crazy. So we have a section for our Patreons. We have a section for this Daily Gun Show. We have a section for Every Second Matters, which is going to be kicking into gear here going forward. We have a section for Gun Channels. The Gun Channels Network will be doing all kinds of crazy new things going forward. We've got a section for our gear website store. We've got a section for our gun show loophole tour, a section for the 2A Summit, and then a section for the uh, AK-47 Buyer's Guide. Uh, so a bunch of our different projects over the years, we're going to be accumulating some of the updates and notifications over here on this system. And we're giving our Patreon some places to both privately and publicly hang out and have some conversations with each other and with us. <clears throat> All right, that was fun. So uh, thanks to the people who support what we're doing. This is just one way that we're able to say, hey, here's a way that we can uh, have a little bit more conversation in return. But it's also going to give us some tools. Here's what I wrote on here. How do I get this thing to go back to the main thing? I don't really know how to do that, but if I knew how to make it go back to the main page, it would say, I plan on using this just like those hallways behind the doors in the matrix. We're going to be using this system over here, like the hallways behind the doors of 2A. Yeah, that's right. So the people that are uh, helping out to get this thing started, we have 2 anus awards over there. And uh, you'll get two anus awards for helping out and doing things, being part of the situation. The first people to join already got 100 two anus points for just joining up and helping me figure it all out. Basically beta testing this thing. Once we get it up and running, we'll start inviting people that uh, use 2A for a living. And we'll see if we can't help facilitate some, some work getting done. That being said, how is it possible that we have five votes and they're all for Idaho? I don't get it. That's fake. So uh, we're going to have to do some inquiry into this. First thing I'm going to do is take the link to this show, go over to our place over here where we link to live shows, and I'm going to link to that live show. And I'm going to encourage investigators to determine just exactly what's going on with this poll. I'll make a phone call about that in a little bit. All right, so with that being said, let's dig into today's show. We are looking for suggestions for a Second Amendment or gun owners' rights group and a Second Amendment advocate. So far, we have no uh, suggestions for anything. So, lazy, why don't you start typing something in there so I have something to, to say about. 
right, so we're going to go over to this book. <clears throat> we're still using this old junky book that I printed, or I should say misprinted a while back. Remove all my stuff out of the way. I was doing a bunch of important stuff over here, so i got to remove everything around just for you. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I have to move everything around just for you. It's no big deal. I'm just moving everything around here. All right, and then well, we're going to open this up. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, open that up. Open this up. Here we go. Oh, let's aim that right. There we go. So a while back, one of our projects is the Minuteman University Project. Are we allowed to show knives on this show? One of our projects was the Minuteman University Project. Wow, that's a weird, really, really long lag. I guess I'm not on live. It doesn't help to watch yourself like 30 seconds behind on a lag. So I'm going to quit doing that. The Minuteman University Project is a website we started building really back in 2016-ish. And uh, it's elaborate. It tries to do two things. It tries to offer skills and resources to Second Amendment advocates. Uh, that's a big task. There's a lot to it. So the resources get overwhelming. So what our attempt to do at this project was to take uh, the inform some of the information from that project and sort it into one page or one state per page. Take the information from each state and accumulate it on the different pages of a 50-ish page book. And we call it the 50 states of 2A. And we have this available over on our gear website store. We printed this in 2020. We print that here in Tucson. However, this time, I, or for this particular one, I printed it goofy, and it's all messed up. So I always talk about that. Eventually, I'm going to print a new one and start have, stop having to talk about that. But because I couldn't sell this one or anything, I've been using this one to uh, do this segment of the Tuesday shows. So last week, the people that are live voted on Arizona, one of the best states, to talk about the 2A-ness of Arizona. And look at how much stuff there is in Arizona. It's probably more stuff than your state. Don't be embarrassed. Your state can do better. So let's dig in. Uh, we have some stuff about all the states, kind of you know, stuff that's consistent with the different states. And then we talk about the different organizations, the places, and the people, and the inventions, and all kinds of good stuff. Arizona's got a little bit of everything. Again, don't be jealous. Just think about ways that your state can improve. All right, so here we go. Arizona, the best state. Oh, maybe not the best state, just better than most states. Started uh, being a state in February 14th of 1912. So if you think about that, uh, a lot of people's, well, some people's grandparents are younger than that or older than that. So some people's grandparents were running around being babies. Uh, at least some of us are old enough to be able to say that. I think that works a little bit better. So uh, it's February 14th. Isn't that Valentine's Day? It says everybody loves Arizona. They were the 48th state. Only two states decided to be states after us because we basically were perfect. But then Alaska decided they were going to be a state also. And then Hawaii. We let Hawaii be a state. And that's why the Arizona is the boat in Pearl Harbor. All right. So uh, that's what Arizona's flag looks like. It's confusing because this blue sky and we don't have any lakes, but guess what? The blue goes down. If you're putting the star the wrong way, then you're wrong. Uh, Arizona does have a constitution and we do have a second amendment. In fact, our second amendment is article two, but it's section 26. 
All right, this, the Arizona Constitution, Article 2, Section 26 states, the right of the individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself, sexist, or the state shall not be impaired. But nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to organize, maintain, or employ an armed body of men. So I stuck to the letter of the law and I employ a large body of women. So take that Arizona. Uh, we've got open carry without a permit because we don't care. We've got uh, con con concealed carry since 1994. Wait a minute, 1994, was that before most other states? Yeah. Uh, 325,000 permits, you can get an out-of-state Arizona non-resident. So in other words, uh, you can get a concealed carry from Arizona as a non-resident if you want to. I don't really know if too many people do that because it doesn't do much for you unless you live here, in which case probably a worthwhile. Or if you kind of live here half the year kind of thing. Uh, 325,000 permits, I think I just said that. So next we get constitutional carry what some people wrongly call permitless carry, which is wrong. Don't ever say it that way. Constitutional carry, we were the second state. So there was Virginia, and then there was Alaska. Let me see. Yeah, Virginia. No, that was not Virginia. There was Vermont, which didn't have any laws. Then there was Alaska, and then there was Arizona. You're welcome. Uh, July 29th, 2010. I can remember it like it was the other day. It was only 12 years ago, in about a month. Everybody said there'd be blood in the streets because we were the first state to do the constitutional carry experiment other than Vermont, which no one lives up there, so nobody cares, or Alaska, which is fake, so nobody cares about that either. So we were the first real state to have constitutional carry, and obviously we did it with respect and responsibility, and we ushered in the way honorably for every other state to get constitutional carry. You're welcome. Uh, do you think that just happened because everybody in Arizona was like, oh, yeah, we're so chill and we're all in the same mindset? Or do you think four dudes from different states got together at a Waffle House in Phoenix and created the uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League uh, back in like 2001? And then a couple of years later, we got constitutional carry. It actually happened with like four dudes getting together over waffles and saying, we can change things. Watch this. And then they set down their coffee. And nine years later, we have constitutional carry in Arizona. Um, 12 years later after that, constitutional carry in 25 states. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe individuals can't change nothing. Individuals aren't the, inst inst the in, uh, inst in, what's the word, of change? Instigation, 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 I can't think of the other. They don't instigate change. Uh, let's see, then we got suppressors for hunting. A couple of years later, after we got constitutional carry, we were like, you know what? Hunting is too noisy for us. So we got rid of uh, the uh, prohibition of suppressors while hunting. We were the 24th state to do that. Other states, we allowed other states to do that first. Uh, in 2011, soon after we got constitutional carry, but before we got, uh, we removed suppressors uh, or we created we removed the prohibitions for suppressors for hunting. Uh, we decided to have a state firearm, and I believe we were the second state to do a state firearm, and our state firearm is the Colt Single Action Army. I agree. It's a stupid gun because nobody even used them in this state. Should have been a Winchester, but 
What are you going to do? Nobody told us it was happening. It just happened, and I believe it was a fake vote. But what are you going to do? That's our. It's our state gun now, and we have to live with it. it has nothing to do with Arizona. Hardly even used out here. It's our state gun. A bunch of people who don't know nothing think it's our is used out here a lot. All right. So next is Second Amendment sanctuary status. I don't know how many counties we have, but I know the county I live in is bigger than Connecticut. So you can suck it, Connecticut. They told me that when I first moved out here, that my county is larger than the state of Connecticut. But six out of 18, 15 counties in Arizona are Second Amendment sanctuary counties, and then one of our cities. So that's Apache, La Paz, Maricopa, Mojave, Penal, Yakupai, Yakupai, and Bullhead City. Then in May of 2017, the governor signed a bill that would prevent localities from requiring background checks for private sales. So in other words, a preemption to any kind of universal background check bill in 2017. Uh, that's due to the Arizona Citizens Defense League that when they're bored, they just create preemptive laws just to exercise their ability to do it. And probably the same way that people stock up ammunition they figure in case kids in the future are lazy, let's just stack up a bunch of laws that protect them, even though they don't need them, or even though they don't think they need them today. All right, let's talk about some of the stuff that happens in Arizona. If that's working, it's showing you the big Sandy machine gun shoot. Since 1988, a bunch of people get together annually and started shooting. And in 2004, it moved to its own location out in the middle of nowhere between Vegas and uh, Phoenix. It's an awesome event that you have to have fortitude and resolve to even get to it, let alone stay at it. And the reward is the most freedom that's available to participate or spectate at ever, period, in this country or in any other country. It's one of the best things you could do. So I'd check it out. There used to be other things in other states, but they quit doing it because they're scared. Next, we have SAR West. Uh, which is the Small Arms Review Gun Show, happens in Phoenix the first weekend of December. So sometimes that happens a little bit in November, just kind of depends on the first weekend, how it lays. Since 2000, they've been doing this. It's the Crossroads of the West Gun Show Promoter, which is a pretty large gun show promoter. They have it at the Phoenix Fairgrounds, or the Arizona State Fairgrounds in Phoenix, which is a pretty large venue. It is a, an entire separate building, an entire complete full building of small arms review stuff. So it's tripod mounted, belt fed, full auto, fun, transferable stuff, parts, pieces, conversations, fun. Just it's an amazing event. And then alongside of that building, an entire building uh, that's open is the largest gun show this side of Tulsa. So a very large gun show. Very cool. Lots of people show up just to that one. Lots of people consider that their you know thing that they build up to. So very, very cool. It's like 20 bucks for the whole weekend to attend. And uh, it's in Phoenix. Then we've got the Yapavai uh, College, which has a gunsmithing school. So that's up in Prescott. And they've been around for a long, long time. We also have the Sonoran Desert Institute, which started in 2000. So we have the Yakavai Yakavai college uh started in 1969 has established themselves been respected as a two-year gunsmithing degree 
uh, throughout the decades. And then you got SDI showing up in 2000, 20 years ago, and uh, hitting the internet like storm with a bunch of paid promotion and stuff. A lot of people that have graduated, it's more like a um, mail order situation that also has a campus, unlike the Yakupai College, who has, uh, you know, just a plain old, you go to school there. What do they call that? Regular old school. We're going to scroll down to the Pima Air and Space Museum. I guess this isn't scrolling. I'm just moving my hand down. So uh, this is the Pima Air and Space Museum down here in Tucson, 350 aircraft. I didn't intentionally try to go to every single aircraft museum in the country because that would be pretty difficult. And I literally have not tried to do that. But at the same time, I'm not an idiot. So if I go near an airplane museum, I usually go in it. So I've been to a lot of airplane museums and ours is the best airplane museum. I'm just saying there's a bigger one in Dayton and it is better, I guess, but you can't touch nothing there. And if you touch anything, you get arrested in ours. My dog peed on a MIG. So I had my Doberman walking around in there because you can walk around in there with your dog and my dog peed on a MIG. So somebody in Russia, communist Russia, was like eating gruel and putting together a MIG airplane thinking they were going to bomb us with it. And instead of the Cold War coming out the way Ivan thought it was going to happen, we're looking at a that MIG at a museum and my dog walked over and peed on it. So we won the Cold War. Pima Air Space Museum is definitely the coolest museum around. You can just walk around, look at all the planes. Started in 1976. It's in Tucson, so they don't have to do nothing. They just put the planes out there and they're they're good to go. So you can just walk around, you get to see the scale and perspective of them like no other museum. Uh, no, they'll leave you alone. They just let you walk around if you want. There's a little plaque in front of each one. You just walk around with somebody like Bob or somebody who knows about the planes and they tell you all about them. Uh, or you can get this little tram thingy, like at a zoo sometimes, and they'll cart you around and tell you about the planes. Also at the museum, you can get on a bus and go drive around the, the graveyard. So if you've seen Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man or one of the other movies that's filmed in the graveyard. Uh, for like $7 or something crazy, you can get on a bus and drive around the graveyard in a bus. And while you're driving around, and there's like a bathroom on the bus. It's like a nice tour bus. It, while you're driving around, though, there's a guy who's almost always a pilot telling you about some kind of crazy pilot stories. And pilots always have crazy pilot stories when they're driving around their old planes. Super cool experience. Oh, is that it? No, because we also have the Titan II Missile Museum. So there were, at one point, uh, two squadrons of nine missiles. So that's 18 missiles in three different states, Arizona, Kansas, and Arkansas. So of the three states, each state had two squadrons of nine, and they were all destroyed. Well, they were all created in the 50s and 60s and used as Cold War deterrent with a 40 mega, uh, excuse me, I keep saying that. It's a nine megaton intercontinental ballistic missile. So it could leave Arizona and drop that missile on Siberia or Moscow or someplace, intercontinental, ballistic. So you know, it's a missile and then nine megaton. I forget how little the ones were from whatever, but this is one of the largest uh, nukes we ever came up with. I think we might've technically had bigger ones, but these were the biggest ones I think we deployed. Uh, whenever they retired these, they took them all out of their silos 
and uh, used them to send uh, different space vehicles up because they were such a large launching platform. They were able to recycle them. The nuclear material got recycled in something else. But the silos, by some kind of stupid treaty, uh, were required to be destroyed. And all but this one silo were destroyed. All the silos in Kansas, all the silos in Arkansas, and all but one in Arizona were <clears throat> destroyed. That's a whole nother story and a fun one. I've been in five of the missile silos. Include, well, I don't remember if either been in five and this one, or I've been in five, including this one. I've been inside of five Titan II missile silos. Uh, then there is the Gunfighters Outlaw Hall of Fame. So down in Tom Tombstone, there's a museum that is pretty awesome. The guy's kind of a jerk and there's no phone number. So it's kind of, uh, if you can get down there, you can get down there. But if you can, interesting little museum. It's worth checking out. There's a second museum down there that is not always open for business. So I didn't include it, but they're friends of ours. And a lot of the pictures from the, uh, the Old West Guns playing card deck come from the other museum in Tucson or Tombstone, Arizona. We're going to come up to the middle here and take a look at some of the stuff. It's not really in any kind of order. Uh, it's kind of organizations and places, uh, industry and people. So it's kind of, I'm just kind of pointing to places on the page. There's just a lot of stuff in Arizona. So it definitely wore out any kind of uh, organization or layout I could do on the page. So if you've heard of the Mounted Shooters of America, that is a shooting sport. So very much like a cowboy shoot mounted shooters or uh, the cowboy, what are they called? The cowboy USSA, I know, what is it called? I can't draw on a blank, but you know, the other uh, cowboy shooters. Uh, the Mounted Shooters of America, if I remember right, they started in 2001 in Cave Creek. And I think it was sort of, uh, you know, we're not satisfied with the other sport and what the other sport emphasizes. So we're going to start our own sport. There you go. Mounted Shooters of America. How cool is it that we have so many people shooting competition from horseback that they decided there needed to be more than one organization to do that? That's how cool it is. And most people don't even know we have any organizations doing that. Uh, we've got the Firearms Coalition, which was started in 1984, often mistaken by the a-holes who called themselves the Firearms Policy Coalition, intentionally to obscure from this. Well, I'll have to ask you if, uh, if you know the history of that whole thing and what you think about it. But uh, for me, it's annoying as hell that another organization uh, decided to lay down on top of what Neil Knox uh, created uh, back in 1984. So Neil uh, was the author of The Gun Rights War, which is a compilation of his articles from Shotgun News, uh, created by his son Chris and his brother Jeff, his other son Jeff. And uh, it's, a organization, it's a compilation of all these uh, articles from Shotgun News that uh, relate to different 2A topics throughout Neil, their dad's uh, Second Amendment activist journey and being uh, in the first group, well, the one who created the, uh, who started the 1977 uh, NRA um, Cincinnati revolt, where at the NRA national meeting in 1977 in Cincinnati, Neil, the guy who wrote the book and started the Firearms Coalition, 
was able to get enough of the NRA membership who attended the meeting to stop at noon and put on an orange hat, that action of getting to the NRA meeting, pausing at noon to put on an orange hat, you know, so having the hat with you and deciding to put it on at noon with everyone else, that united coordinated action, let the leadership of the NRA know that they shouldn't move to New Mexico and become a predominantly hunting organization. Instead, they created the ILA and the, the uh, Institute for whatever litigation or whatever, or so whatever the ILA, and then uh, stayed in Washington, D.C. and became a lobbyist organization for laws. So that is uh, the Firearms Coalition. That's the, the Gun Rights War. And now that's his sons, Chris and Jeff, who show up at the 2A rallies we have here in Arizona, uh, participated in the 2019 rally in D.C. and have continued to offer insight, resource and experience to activists who seek it out from them. We've got Dave Kopp, who is the president and one of the four founders of the Arizona Citizens Defense League with Charles Heller and a couple of other people who don't really get mentioned too much. Uh, Arizona Citizens Defense League is the organization that was founded here in Arizona, like I mentioned earlier, started off with a Waffle House. Four guys got together in 2001 and decided, kind of said to themselves, from what I understand, I thought the laws would be better for guns in Arizona. They all moved here from other places. They all looked at each other and agreed and decided to do something about it. And in 2001 at the gun shows, we started to see a little table set up with this little logo. And you know me not a big fan of people writing on top of flags. So even though it wasn't a U.S. flag, I was a little skeptical, a little wondering why they needed to have the Arizona flag in there. Uh, but after there's some pers pers perseverance, some persistence on their end, uh, I started to listen more. And I, it was the Arizona Citizens Defense League got my dumbass from worrying about toys and tools and what I could do to impress my friends or fart around or be goofy. Uh, with firearms to start thinking more about uh, the implications, the ambassadorship and the uh, potentials of what we're doing uh, when we're sharing our adventures online, when we're sharing our um, information and our stories online and whether we're doing that to F off or if we're doing that with a goal in mind. So uh, thanks to the Arizona Citizens Defense League has been one of my inspirations and especially Charles Heller uh, who is able to be a consistent, uh, focused uh, uh, driver for Second Amendment awareness uh, through trends and fads and ups and downs, completely uh, focused and uh, admirable people. Uh, it's changing, so it's not the same as it was. Nothing's permanent. Appreciate what you got while it's there and uh, learn well, you can. All right, next we get Doug Ritter for Knife Rights, started in 2006. I'll keep going. We got Gunsight Academy, 3,000 acres. That started in 1976, Jeff Cooper, who I didn't have a picture at the time. I think since then I've drawn a picture for Jeff Cooper, but I didn't have one to put on here. Plus, honestly, I didn't have enough room. And even though Jeff Cooper is super cool for gun industry and for, for uh, training, and for uh, gun safety and for the awareness of the development of the martial art of shooting, 
not to mention the competitive side, the, you know, the creating IDPA and later uh, IPSC and then uh, setting the stage for all that to even exist. I mean, it's definitely important, but you can see that I'd rather put the Knox brothers, uh, Dave Kopp, Bill Wooden, we didn't talk about him yet, and, uh, um, well, you know who I don't have on here, who I should? Amy Swearer. I think Amy, maybe I'm thinking Amy Swearer and I'm mixing her up with this girl. But uh, if Amy Swearer is from Arizona, I should have had her on here. Where are we at? Gunsight. So Jeff Cooper uh, goes to California, is in California. You think he's a cop? He's uh, into competition shooting, but at the time, the 1950s, competition shooting is a bunch of old guys putting on cowboy holsters, basically effectively cowboy holsters and drawing from a cowboy holster, slapping leather, as they'd say, and not even using sights at all, shooting from the hip and fast drawing, you know, just cocking the single action revolver and shooting it from the hip. And uh, that got pretty fast and people caught all kinds of good things. And then some guys started holding it with two hands. And guess what? That changed the game a little bit. And then somebody started bringing the gun up and using the sights. And that changed the game a little bit. And then it moved on to be, let's move around a little bit. Eventually that turned into what became IPSC. So uh, the international shooting sports of handgun shooting sports, whatever it's called. So basically uh, that concept of how do we get better at this uh, either metrics, you know, shooting fast, shooting accurately. How do we get, how do we, uh, how do we decide, you know, how do we, uh, uh, dissect the actions and dissect the procedures and the skill sets involved here and how do we refine that and then how do we teach it uh, that was Jeff Cooper and then that created um, some of the first uh, of his students uh, some of them stayed in Arizona some of them didn't and then some of them created their own permanent school some of them became traveling instructors and then their uh, experiences and uh, in uh, what they were involved with. For example, one of his students would go out and teach Marines long distance rifle shooting. Another one would teach civilians uh, handgun shooting. Another would teach law enforcement shotguns. You know, they'd each kind of bring their own or develop their own interests. But Cooper's the one that kind of started that whole thing. And that was Gunsight, later copied by numerous ripoffs. So uh, gun sight, pretty cool thing. Let's see if we go down here, kind of move around. I'm gonna, I missed Bill Wooden and the Wooden Labs on the way down earlier. So the Wooden Labs started, oh, I don't remember anymore, a long time ago. But Bill Wooden is a cool dude. He uh, was in the military, he had found a love for reptiles and snakes and ammunition. So he started an ammunition collection and he started working for the uh, Arizona Sonoran Wildlife Museum out here which is a, as you can imagine, it's a desert museum uh, for the wild, wildlife and, and geology of the desert. And Bill was in charge of the reptiles there and uh, had a long, repu long uh, respected reputation or career as the uh, boss of the reptiles or maybe the whole museum. But in his spare time, he accumulated basically the largest private collection of ammunition uh, focused on military projectiles, uh, military, and that's about it. I don't think he really got out of the military realm. There was some unique stuff and some other stuff in there, but it was the military calibers or calibers that militaries would have used 
but international and amazing. I had access to the Wooden Labs a couple of times towards the end of Bill's time. And uh, he's a cool dude. He let me in and just let me have run, run, run wild taking pictures and videos and uh, exploring the stuff that I was interested in, the 50 BMGs and the 762x39s and then the tiny little ammo. Uh, thanks for, to him for letting me uh, do some videos. And I think I even was able to go live at the labs a couple of times. Uh, Bill's a hell of a cool dude. And he passed uh, a couple of years back. And unfortunately, I think the collection is long gone. We have Jennifer Carlson, assistant professor of sociology at the University of Arizona. For some reason, I think I'm mixing her up with uh, Amy Swearer. Uh, we got Alan Corwin, who's an author. He writes the, uh, the gun uh, shop guide. He was on uh, the radio with uh, Toby, I think, the other day. He was on the radio with somebody the other day. We got Carrie Lightfoot, who started the Well-Armed Women, which is now the Armed Women of America. That was started back in 2012 up in Scottsdale. We've got uh, Ritter from NFA, FA, so it's the National Firearms Act Freedom Alliance. So there's two organizations that are focused on the NFA. This one is focused on the NFA from the collector, the individual person who owns a regulated or a registered item in the NFA. The other one is out of Texas, and it's focused on the industry and the um, manufacturer side and the compliance with, with creating um, machine guns post-1986. There's a big similarity between the knife rights in NFA, FA, 2014, 2006, I'll leave it at that. Next up, you get Bill Ruger. So Ruger is here in Arizona. Uh, there's Ruger in what, Connecticut, I think, or somewhere back east. That's where most of the rifles and good stuff is made, but the pistols are made here in Arizona. Uh, so some things you'll see made Ruger here in Arizona. So, and I think Ruger lived out here. So we pick Ruger for, uh, or we put him on the Arizona page. We also have the Safari Club International, a pretty big hunting organization uh, based here in Tucson, started in 1972. They've got a museum here in town that's on its way out to the Desert Museum. Before you get out to the Desert Museum, you have to go up and over a draw. And up on the way up that draw, you're going to go past the SCI Museum. And it's a whole museum that is all stuffed animals and it's all you know people's trophy critters i guess i think i'm doing a pretty good job of hitting everything on the page so now let's get back up to the top here and take a look at the uh, second amendment rally now i did write this book in 2020 so this was the 2a rally from 2020 but i'm happy to say that thanks to um is it freedom writers usa and the AZ Firearms, Pot of Gold Auctions, the two sponsors of the uh, event, the Freedom, the Riders USA and Pot of Gold Auctions have sponsored the event now for many years. They kept going even through all the craziness and stress. We still had a, a, an Arizona rally every year. So thanks to them for that. So we do have the information about the Ruger factory here. It started in Prescott in 1980. So, you know, Ruger's been around a lot longer than that, but they started their factory out here for making pistols in 1980. So all the Mark IIs and Mark Ones and stuff were made out here, or at least the Mark IIs. I don't know if the Mark Ones are that old. 
All right, Dillard Precision uh, started here in 1980. So Dylan, for many people, I know I've heard Bill Wilson say that there wouldn't be competitive shooting if, Dil if Dylan didn't invent the multi-stage or the progressive reloading press. If people would have needed to depend on um, surplus ammunition or you know actual commercial ammunition, they'd never be able to afford the practice and the the skill building uh, that you would need with all that ammunition. So Dylan started here in Arizona in 1980, making a progressive reloader, ended up being super rich. I don't know if he was, I think he might've been rich ahead of time, uh, but he's rich enough that he's got, well, he invented the minigun. They shoot the minigun all the time. And I've shot that thing like three times. They let people shoot it pretty easy. Uh, the one that pops up out of Suburban, right? That one. And then uh, you can, I don't know how that works, but you can, potentially go to the Dillon place. They have an airplane with a drone behind it and they shoot at the drone with the miniguns. So they play around. They don't even, you don't even know what having fun is until you've hung out with Dillon. I think they used to sell movies of their yearly get together because it was so epic that people would buy a movie of watching how fun they had. Uh, next you get Davidson's. Uh, distributors they buy a bunch of product from you know the companies that manufacture and then they hold on to it and offer it to the uh, gun shops who don't have the facilities or the buying power to purchase in quantity so they facilitate the industry or they hork off of us it. it's hard to say it's hard to say because they won't let you in they don't only talk about their prices and uh when they did let people in, they immediately talked about the prices and everybody saw what the prices are, so, or what the markups are, I guess you could say. So next you get AZ Firearms, founded in 2003. Unfortunately, they're out, they have closed their shop now, but I've been to something like 200 shops on the Gun Show Loophole Tour in however many 26 or 30 something states. And uh, I go to gun shops, that's what I do. I like going to gun shops. I've been going to gun shops my whole life. I really enjoy them. Uh, I like boring, lame ones. I like really cool, amazing ones. I like the amazing ones more, but right, I, I know what gun shops are all about. AZ Firearms, I'm not just blowing smoke. That was one of the best fire, that was one of the gun shops, one of the best gun shops I've experienced. Not just recently, but like period. Really cool gun shop in so many different ways. It's such a shame to see that one gone. What it means is the next generation ain't even gonna know like they ain't even going to know what they missed out on. And that makes me think, what do we not even know about? How cool were gun shops back in the day? I don't think they could have been because AZ Firearms was everything about, was everything that the gun shops would have been back when I was a kid, but with all the new stuff also. So it was crazy amazing. There's a couple of videos where I was able to get videos. I had no, no idea they were going out of business. Well, not going out of business, but they, they were closing the shop. And uh, I would have taken more video if I would have known just to archive it. It was such a good shop. I hope that they've got video of it all. POF, a lot of people like Patriot Ordnance Factory. Uh, they do a proprietary piston AR that they're really good at marketing it. And a lot of people like them. They started in 2002 up in Phoenix. We've got AWC founded in 2011. And I don't know who they are. Then you've got Armalite. Uh, in 2018, they moved to Phoenix. I didn't know that. That's kind of neat. Uh, and I think that is everything on this page about Arizona. I'll put in here that, you know, we're down here. We're in Arizona. So we started up in 2004. 
uh, doing our thing online and in about 2006, I think we decided, you know what, we're not just going to do stuff online, we're going to do gun stuff online. So uh, we're down here, we've got other friends that are down here, uh, you know, we were pretty much Arizona centric for quite a while until probably um, five, well, I shouldn't say that, until maybe nine, when we really started going around and doing more events and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's, I guess I was going to try to show you something, but I don't, those pages are all mixed up. Um, some of the different projects that we work on that we try to incorporate into projects like this one that put, hopefully, all of that kind of information, I mean, not all the states are as good as Arizona, so they're not going to be that ripe with information. But we do have information about each of the 50 states and on those states where there's not as much information to offer. We have other things like this one has the different uh, the order that the states did uh, constitutional carry, the date that they enacted constitutional carry. This one has a list of hunting organizations. Uh, this one is actually a list of the people that helped us create this book. So the website that this book information is gathered from took countless hours to create, but it's a website. So how do we get that website up to where people can do something with it? We decided to spend some time turning it into a book. So figuring out the software, figuring out the layout, blah, 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 getting it all together took time. And we did that as a crowdfunding project. So if we look at the edge of each page, this one says the this page, the Arizona page was sponsored by Garrett, Scott, and Jonathan. So I'm pretty sure Garrett is Gun Library Garrett. Scott is Pink Panther. And, oh, you know what I think that other one is? Is Barbecue. So that's Barbecue, Pink, and Gun Library Garrett. They also got credit at the bottom of this little chart. But uh, thanks to the people that make it possible for us to accumulate data like this daily. It's what we do. And then the occasional uh, compilation of that data into a project like this one. Um, uh, Sharon was on last night. She's going to help us to soup these things up and make them even more better, ready for prime time. So stay tuned for more work on those as time goes on. Now we'll jump back to the comments in the live chat here, and we'll see if anybody's given us some ideas for uh, which Second Amendment organization we might want to check out tonight and which activist we might want to feature. Since we're looking over here, we'll also see that it looks like Idaho is going to get picked. North Dakota is the only other one with votes. No one's voted for California out of seven votes. No one's voted for New York. I feel like nobody even wants to live in California or New York. I'm going to look over at our Gilded page to see what's what's happening. If anybody's saying anything over there and it doesn't look like they are, it's too late for them. They're scared or something. Oh, wait, what does this say? Hey, it's live. See, so I didn't realize, but when we uh, post stuff over here, uh, you know, it's all about being able to communicate. So as you get more used to it, we'll probably be spending a lot more time hanging out with chatters over here and maybe a little bit less with the uh, chatters over here. But time will tell. Let's find out. If you want to keep us chatting, start chatting where you're comfortable. All right, next, let's take a look at some of these comments. We don't really have that many comments. Uh, let's see. Wesley's saying, uh, considering relocating to Arizona, how hard would it be to relocate to Arizona? 
I didn't relocate to Arizona since 2000, no, since 1992 or some shit. So I moved here a long time ago. I have no idea what it's like to move to Arizona. It's probably horrible. It's probably really, really bad. Probably don't want to do it. Uh, move into another state is probably a good idea. No, I have no idea. It's probably not that hard because a lot of people move here. But honestly, it's super hot and it's not like we got water laying around. So I don't know if this is the best time to move to Arizona with that lake up there by Las Vegas being empty. We get that water after California and that's all the water we got. So I don't know what's going to happen uh, with all that being done. Uh, so I don't know if this is the best time. Water and weather are cyclical. So on the other hand, when it's hot and dry here, it might be the time to move here so that you can get everything while it's cheap or get good, you know, get in while getting's good and then hang out when it's nice again. Because when it's nice, everyone's going to want a top dollar for everything, I'm sure. So I'm not the one to ask. I really don't know. But uh, good luck if you do. There's plenty of cool places here. The thing about Arizona is that uh, if you look at Arizona, it looks like a big, cool rectangle, like one of the best shapes for states, you know, a rectangle shape. It's even better because it kind of looks like a hatchet or something. The bottom of it's all kind of broken off. However, think of the state of Arizona and make a big, giant capital I on there. And that's where you can live. Everything else is Indian Reservation, National Park or National Forest or BLM or state land. Very little of Arizona is private land where you can live on it. Most of Arizona, 56% of Arizona or might be more, I forget, is not habitable land. In other words, you can live there, but you're not legally able to live there. So there's not a lot of place to go in Arizona because of that. It might look like we're wide open in that because people are looking into shared lands. But when you look back around where people can live, it's pretty sprawly and pretty crowded. People like to build houses out of stucco and sticks. So chicken wire, some two by fours and some plaster of Paris, maybe a little bit of a brown paper bag in there to keep it all together. Uh, and then they put on basically like 700 giant paper, you know, some cement plates to be the roof and then if it ever catches fire since it's made out of paper plates and sticks and plaster of paris so they catch fire all the time when they catch fire that roof cannot you know be supported by the burnt matches that are holding it up so the way that they build here looks mediterranean or spanish or something i don't know what they're going for but it's ridiculous and you end up buying a mobile home or some kind of house that's made out of sticks and stucco with a tile roof. And I think that's a super dangerous situation, especially when they're a cigarette flick away from your neighbor. So that's the problem with Arizona. It sounds really cool on paper, but in reality, uh, it's, it's kind of not that great. But uh, on the other hand, where is better than that? Nowhere. It's every place is like that, really. So, uh, that's just the way it is going forward. We don't have houses made out of cool bricks, you know, and fortified and this and that and the other thing. Oh, well, let's see. Everybody's saying, hey, and then that's it. No suggestions at all for uh, Second Amendment organizations. No suggestions at all for Second Amendment advocate. So that's what happens when you leave it up to the group. No one had any suggestions at all for any of those things. So I'm not going to leave the people listening to this as a podcast hanging just because the people alive don't care at all to suggest even one gun owners rights group 
or even one gun rights activist. So we're just going to scroll down and randomly, I'm just going to close my eyes and pick this one. Uh, NAGA, North American, oh no, the National African American Gun Owners Association. So started in February of 2015. In 2019, they had 30,000 members and 75 chapters. By 2022, 45,000 members and 120 chapters. Now, 45,000 members is nowhere near, you know, NRA or something like that. So they're not numbers-wise as large as some of the largest organizations or some of the other national-level membership organizations. However, they do chapters. They do gun clubs, and they organize gun clubs. And I suspect that element of it is going to make them a step, a, you know, a, a different, what's the word, like a... They're going to be going in a different direction than the national level organizations, which are, you know, here's the national whatever plan, and here's your role in that plan. This is going to be more of a, hey, here's what they're doing, and here's what you're doing, and here's what they're doing, and here's what they're doing, and here's what they're doing. So I think it'll be a lot more sharing, a lot more um, uh, collaborative, and to see the results of that will be interesting. Uh, I've met Phil, the guy who started this thing is Philip Smith. I got a chance to hang out and meet him at the, well, not hang out, but meet him at the uh, SHOT Show. Did a quick interview, got him to sign the uh, prototype book that we've been working on uh, to bring to SHOT, that we brought to SHOT Show. And he was super busy. So I had to kind of wait around for like other people to do stuff and for him to stop being in another interview and stuff like that. So I got to kind of see the NAGA booth at SHOT. And from it turns out, I didn't know at the time, but it turns out that was their first year at SHOT Show. So it's interesting again to be a fly on the wall and kind of see how they're dealing with not just their first SHOT Show, not just the first SHOT Show being an epic SHOT Show that's been the best SHOT Show maybe ever. They're certainly the best SHOT Show since 2008, uh, which was probably the best SHOT Show. And then... Uh, dealing with all the people that were walking around with different levels of awareness of how good that shot show is. When you got the best shot show ever happening, everybody's walking around a different level than at a normal shot show. So the fact that uh, MAGA was there experiencing all that for the first time was pretty interesting. Uh, there's no way to know if they did it well or good or bad or what. I don't think it was bad, but you know whether they appreciated what they had, the opportunity they had or not, whether or not they capitalized on it, I guess we'll find out. But I did get to hang out there for a bit while they were, uh, like I say, kind of f finishing up with some other stuff. For I didn't want to like just push push my way in and say, "Hey, blah blah blah, I need my my signature and my interview, and I'll be on my way." Uh, instead, I'd rather you know hang out and kind of observe and watch how the organizations doing their thing, right? And uh, again, really cool. They were in a cool spot at Shot Show. Uh, it was in the new building. The new building is like a uh, big square, but it's laid out like a big L shape. And the bottom part of the L comes from Old Shot Show, and the big part of the L goes over towards Vegas and the new entrance to Shot Show. Totally new thing. Two entrances to Shot Show. Unprecedented. Their booth was sort of at the bend of the L. So as people come in one way and make a turn and go the other way, that that's where they're making the turn. They're making the decision, 
not necessarily in their booth, but where they would make that decision to turn, they'd look over and that's where the Naga booth was. So again, they probably didn't capitalize on it like they could have by moving some of their banners around. They didn't take the initiative and just like reorient their booth, which they probably could have. But um, just interesting, super, super interesting. And they've been trying to have their first national convention their national convention will be off the hook because it's going to be the first one. It's going to be happening in post 2020. It's going to be happening in spite of the fact that they had to put it off for like three years. So anytime you deny something for three years and then let it happen, it's going to be amazing. Plus it's just going to be amazing. Plus it's going to be a accumulation of whatever those number of chapters are. So instead of being like, here is the, you know the the logo and everybody stick your name on the logo or your state on the logo it'll be 120 things that barely hold the naga will be the thread that holds them together so it'll be a very eclectic uh convention i suspect they haven't had it yet so i guess we don't know but i just don't see naga being like an nra convention where nra is you know the biggest uh marketing thing in the room super interesting so uh they started i i don't know it's interesting that they started uh the naga started at the same time and, and that's a national level organization of a whole bunch of people so you know it's like a group of people started in georgia at the same time that tony decided i'm going to do my thing in um new jersey and then Maj was doing his thing in Pennsylvania in yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and then ended up being like, you know, three major national level things that stuck around and didn't stop doing it. And they didn't ever talk to each other. So it's just kind of interesting. Tony has talked about that, like what inspired so many organizations in 2015 to start off. Uh, and those different different angles, different directions, but each reaching, you know, the community. So with that, uh, that's our uh, Second Amendment focused organization of the week. We will drop a, a link to their, oh, see, this is the reason I'm not, I'm a little sus, because I don't like this. It's their URL is nagga.co. So I don't know, I like comms, so I'm not a big fan of the co's. Uh, do, 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 do. All right, so then we got a link to everything over on Minuteman, and of course we'll be linking to them on the new Every Second Matters as well. All right, so with that, head back over to chat, and what's it saying? Tony, V count? I know Tony too much. Uh, is Santee and all of them know about Naga? I'm going to find out. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I think that there's a whole bunch of YouTubers that don't know nothing about Second Amendment stuff, mainly because the Second Amendment stuff focuses on emulating what the NRA did, which is going to places and setting up tables, uh, anticipating, I guess, that somebody who goes to a gun show or goes to some kind of a fundraising event is more apt to be an activist than using social media. But... Uh, again, I'm not sure how they're going to continue going forward. If they're the uh, if they're the 
focus of a hundred and something organizations, state level chapters that are all going to do their own thing. Uh, it might be a whole different level of YouTube outreach than we ever seen before. Because right now it depends on the NRA state level organization, number one, existing, number two, not being a-holes that everybody hates, and number three, you know, in spite of all, you know, somehow accomplishing those other two things, also being hip and young and trendy enough to understand these socials and then use them. That's like four strikes against them. And that's why I probably, I can't think of any NRA state level organization that does anything, let alone anything cool, hip and trendy. So, and that's just a matter of, you know, not using the social as a tool. They're using a social as a, well, I guess they're using the social as a tool and not a, a brush. When you know how to use the social with finesse, then you get some flavor and you get some effectiveness out of social. When you use social like a scotch tape and a hammer, then you get a clunky social that's useless for the most part. That being said, I'm just assuming that individuals with uh, you know a local focus and a I'm going to say more grassroots, like you know not funded, uh, paid for marketing groups or anything are going to just have a lot more in interesting, uh, what's the word, like uh, diversity. Like there's, you know, somebody who's in Georgia is going to have a whole different, if somebody's in Georgia who's a let's get women educated on self-defense, right? That's going to be different than somebody who's in like Florida going, let's worry about competition shooting. And that's going to be different than somebody in Texas saying, let's get people together to go hunting. And I think that's how it is. It's kind of like scouts, except in scouts, all the different scout troops could be interested in whatever they wanted to. And then they got together and just all wore the same uniform to the, to the jamborees. Actually, it could be exactly like that. Maybe that's why I assume it's going to be like that. And then what you get is everybody wearing the same uniform but everybody's got their hair cut differently. Everybody's wearing a different pants. Everybody's wearing whatever shoes they possibly can to try to look different or unified uniform to each other kind of thing. So it's, I, I suspect it could be pretty fun, pretty interesting. But like I say, we don't know. We'll have to see. So I guess we're going to go with Tony because nobody else offered any other one. So I feel like Tony didn't even get to fight for that or win. He just got you know, laid out there and sacrificed. So Tony Simon uh, also started in 2015. He's Marine. He lives in New Jersey. He uh, got frustrated with the laws at the time. I think he either uh, went to go buy a shotgun or something, found out that the laws were atrocious, found out that there wasn't a bunch of uh, energy in the community to change that, that people were just dealing with it and uh, dealing with the infringements. So in an effort to do something. He started uh, inviting people of all different realms and heights and shapes and weights and whatever you want to say, like different people to come together and meet up at different gun shops. He started off at one of the gun shops just outside the city of New York in New Jersey and invited everybody to show up, give them some, uh, some orientation and some familiarization with firearms. And for those that were comfortable and interested, he would take them out onto the line and give them some trigger time and some instruction on how to use a firearm. What he accomplished was getting a bunch of people who might be, um, well, definitely ignorant, timid, 
shy or uh, not in, you know, not really all that kind of apprehensive about shooting, gave them a, an opportunity at their own pace to experience firearms, but more important, more importantly, firearms owners and the community, like the gun shops and the procedures and the safety and the, the, the concern that we have for each other. You know, the genuine concern that we have for each other, even as strangers, when we know that we're doing something that's foundational, important, uh, dangerous, uh, you know, we're respectful and we're aware of each other. And a lot of people who have all kinds of weird assumptions about gun owners uh, get an experience through Tony and his 2A4E project or his diversity shoot projects, uh, you know, the challenge is all their preconceived and think about the result of that. When those people who are in communities or groups that normally don't get associated with gun owning or being shooters or being gun owners or even hanging out with gun owners, when they get that experience and then have an opportunity to go back to their you know, people are more comfortable, familiar with and offer valued insight. You know, this isn't paid promotion. This isn't somebody that owes me and I have to say I liked it. They can honestly say I had an experience that I didn't expect and I enjoyed it. And we know from Tony's uh, description of the events and the way that it comes down is that that does work, that people do experience it and they, they are comfortable and they do come back and they bring more people. And because of that, he's had success and he's been able to continue doing this project since 2015. He's not super successful with making it into a money-making thing. So he has to uh, do different strategies to try to bring the money in to uh, deal, you know, to pay for like the ammunition and the range fees and that kind of thing. But he works with different people in the community and the industry and he's getting more contacts and more comfortable with that aspect of it. But uh, all of that is the authenticity of it, is the realness of it, that Tony didn't just get some gift from a billionaire and a, and a challenge to do something or the opportunity to spend somebody's money doing something. Instead, he saw something that needed to be done, and I suspect as a Marine, he just decided to start doing it, and then he figured out how to do it or attempted to. He reached out to others in the community, activists, people that are interested in assisting activists, and he found people that were willing and able to help him, uh, not just financially, but with insight and with coaching and with mentoring and with uh, support. And he brings uh, all that together and continues to be optimistic and enthusiastic. He's uh, an inspiration and he's uh, just a nice guy. So a lot of people have fun. Very rarely does anybody talk about, I can't imagine too many people talking about Tony Simon and not having a smile on their face. Uh, he's a big part of the community. And I suspect he doesn't realize, you know, how big a part he is with no, you know, I'm not even talking about physical size. I'm talking about impact to other people's lives and, uh, well, impact, did I already say that? So with that, yeah, that's Tony Simon. So yeah, I'm wearing, no, I'm not wearing one of his shirts. I was wearing one of his shirts until I sweated out of it earlier and changed into this other one. But uh, his shirts, the blue ones, uh, another facet of one of his projects has been to uh, work with a company called ECG. I don't know if uh, DJ's still out there and dropped the link or not, I guess I'll have to do it. But if you type in 10, 22 clothing and you spell it right it'll come up with 
diversity shoot and 1022 clothing. Okay, so maybe I have to go to here, buy the t-shirt here. That's not that one. 1022 clothing. There we go. The uh, rally shirt that I'm showing on the screen here is a blue shirt with a white logo that says 2A4E. Underneath that, it says gun control equals racism. And it's a great color blue shirt. It's well made. It's like a decent quality shirt. And it's plenty big. They get into big sizes. They go from small to 6XL. And these shirts cost $10. Is that $10 shipped? I think they are. So nobody's making any money on these. I'm almost positive they're losing money on them. So thank you to BCG Wear for helping Tony out. The other shirts that you can get there are 25 bucks. And I suspect that's more in line with how much a shirt and labor and shipping actually costs. So again, thanks to BCG, but thanks to Tony. So by providing a blue shirt like this, he's given dudes an opportunity to economically wear a similar shirt when at a rally or a gun show or at a shooting event or at a match or just going to shovel snow together for some old ladies. Now you can all be wearing the same shirt with a message on it uh, for basically free. So Tony's pretty awesome. And uh, thanks for giving me a chance to chat about him a little bit. Uh, we chat about Tony a lot because he's involved in a lot of stuff. He hangs out with us on Saturdays to do the uh, ask gun questions conversation or chat with Clover. Uh, Tony works with, uh, oh, what's his name? With um, Slow Facts, Rob Morse, to do the uh, 2A or some kind of podcast where they talk about crimes and gear uh, on Tuesdays, I think. I need to put that into our schedule. And then I'm pretty sure Tony is a regular on another podcast that's infrequent and he's also often a guest on the plate society or the daily bullet however you want to brand the podcast that paul lathrop does he's also just a guest on a lot of different shows because uh, tony's interested in chatting about what he does and inspiring others to do what they're doing so again great uh activist to chat about tonight all right, with that, I guess we're talking about Ohio next week because almost no one voted for North Dakota. And no one voted for California at all. No one voted for New York. New York outcast is going to be pissed. Uh, everybody who lives in California is going to be irate. But they didn't show up. Oh, no, somebody did show up. But they didn't even vote for the state that they reside in. The state that they pay so much money in taxes in and get so little in return, they decided not to pick that state for their favorite state to do talk about 2A. So whatever, we're going to click end on that. We're going to then uh, wait for it to show up after the appropriate amount of censorship, and then we'll grab that. We will run a commercial here for our gear website store. We want to thank the people that purchase things at our gear website is what keeps us in business so we've been posting these uh, audios of these as podcasts if you are listening to the podcast and you decide to purchase something from our gear website store let us know in the comments there's like a place for notes when you make the order or when you place the order 
and let us know where and uh, you know what inspired you to purchase. Number one, it gives us some valuable feedback so we know uh, you know what to emphasize and where to focus attention. But it also lets us know that uh, you're somebody who's purchasing something not from eBay or not because somebody dared you to or you owe somebody something, but instead because you're interested. And um, then we can, uh, like I say, we do appreciate that. It helps us do our thing, but it also uh, gives us some uh, motivation just as humans to you know, know that there's somebody out there. But also gives us an excuse, an indication of who to send extra loot to. I got so much extra loot here, we're swimming in it. So by purchasing stuff over at a gear website store, you allow us to take some of that awesome, hard to find, extremely rare, valuable, awesome loot and throw it in with whatever you actually purchased from our store. And uh, again, we appreciate that. So if you're listening on a podcast out there, use your fingers or your keyboards or wiggle whatever you got to do on whatever you wiggle on to make words happen. Leave us a comment. We still got just 15 comments on the iTunes and a whole bunch of people are listening over there. So I'm guessing that what happens is people download these these podcasts and then listen to them you know, in, on shifts or during work or on a drive or something where you're not necessarily sitting next to iTunes or the platform where you hork your audio from. But maybe next time you're horking the audio for next week's shows or something, take a second and click on our thumbs or our hearts or our stars or whatever it is they give you there to indicate that you uh, appreciate what we're doing because we'll see that and that'll let us know that you're out there. While you're doing it, consider doing that for all the stuff you listen to. Pretty much every podcast you listen to has human beings on the other end of it. And they appreciate it when they know there's human beings on the other side of that internet from them. All right. With that, we're done. We'll see you tomorrow for the tactical quiz, in which case you'll have lots of opportunity to win fabulous prizes and stuff. But if you can't wait, go buy a bunch of fabulous prizes from Gear Websites. GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. Tonight's episode, That Was No Lady. The guys and gals at GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching gunwebsites.com.